Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 43. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the car ride kingmaker, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Man, I have been getting back late with these car rides, but I could not be happier about bro, how things turned out. Your passenger seat is blessed, bro. Passenger seat, testing team. Yeah, you, you clearly... Uh... I think we we both thought that Sneak and Show was going to be a very good deck this weekend. And obviously, your whole car played it, you, Jerry, and Rich. And it went really well for for most of you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, the I think we kind of nailed what we thought was going to be there and what was going to do well, which is great. Um, my top two choices were Sneak and Show and Blue White. And those decks performed very admirably yeah dude yeah i felt like my matchups were were what i expected to play against and uh i'll get into my tournament a little bit later but things things did not end up going super well for me it was kind of a slightly below average day but with a few different breaks things could have been very different yeah for sure and uh really quick we we just we should get this out of the way obviously our buddy Jerry, who we stayed with, top aided, amazing job. He's going to be talking about it on his own podcast, so we won't uh, we won't spoil any of that. You know what parts we were you know there for or whatever. But it seemed like a wonderful tournament for the deck, and he has a ton of institutional knowledge that comes with playing that deck for a long time. And I really realized on Friday night that he uh, just how much knowledge he had when I was listening to him and Rich debate sideboard cards, and it didn't surprise me at all to see him do very well at this tournament so very proud of you jerry hats off rock and roll it's gonna go absolutely barcelona right yeah he's he's cute for barcelona we talked about it a lot in the car ride on the way home and on the car ride there it was literally sneak and show talk the whole time matchups sideboard guides like sort of talking about when you want to be patient and what matchups you really need to to get out in front of and Whoa. Jerry knows like a lot a lot of people meme on Jerry, but man, he, he had a great tournament. Yeah, for sure. And it was I wish I could have been there. I mean, obviously I'm I'm glad I got to get home in time for Game of Thrones. Unlike I, I imagine you probably didn't, right? No, I got home at about twelve thirty, got to sleep at one, and uh I got I got the convention plague. I got a sore throat today and uh the lack of sleep caught up with me i think we're going to talk a little bit about our extracurricular activities this weekend (laughs) but man we had a we had a blast there was definitely no way a plague could have harbored in my body because i was very aggressively drowning any bacteria that might have come in with copious amounts of alcohol but friday night we got to uh what's it called niagara falls Yeah. yeah friday night we got to niagara falls at like eight o'clock or so and do you wait do you just want to go into your tournament now yeah we can we can talk about it real quick but before we talk about our tournament i wanted to thank some new patrons that we had sign up we actually dipped in to the funds that everybody was kind enough to donate to us to allow us to do some some cool stuff and we got the shirts made which went out at the Grand Prix, which came out outstandingly. And I know that we, we all got some new recording equipment, so hopefully we sound a little bit better. 
and we're we're really trying to do whatever we can to make it a little bit better of an experience. Dude, my my recording equipment is sick now. I actually have like free hands while I'm recording, and I was actually in the process of making a meme before we started recording. Uh, so I'll I'll send that out to our Discord in a few. But I don't know if anybody knows this, but Ian's pop filter was actual pantyhose stretched over a coat hanger. No, dude. I, so we learned from uh from. Uh, the girls of the Grand Prix, it's not called pantyhose. It's called stocking uh, when it's only one of them. So it's it's a stocking stretched over a coat hanger. And it did it did us well, man. 42 episodes strong. You should keep it. Put it in a frame. Remember <laughs> it. Remember it when we look back. A, a, mo- a memento to the struggle. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so new patrons this week. We had Sean Riggin... John Kendall, Patrick the Patrick Uglow, oh. Dan Neely, and James Hugh. What? Yeah, but I'm saying that's that's gas, bro. I played against that, Sean Reagan this weekend too. Did you? That's well, uh great job having him beat you because now he's a patron. Yep. <laughs> um so uh man, like when when I saw all these people sign up, I was one super excited that there are there are people who enjoy listening to us that want to sort of make sure that we can, we can do a little bit more. And when I saw Dan Neely sign up, I literally thought like, damn man, anytime I want to try to figure out what's going on with like Maverick or green, black, like junk decks, I'm looking at his list and just trusting that he understands what's going on. So the fact that he just signed up and is in our discord is awesome. Yeah. There's been a couple of those, right? So far podcasting where you're like, wait a second, you listen to me? Where, like, the, the relationship of, like, you know, people that you, you look up to for a specific reason or, be, like, based on a specific moment in your life, and you're like, oh, fuck, that's awesome, man, you know? Absolutely. So I guess, yeah, that's one of the moments for you. Yeah, and, uh, like, just, I, I know every podcast says this after a big event that they go to, but, man, just getting to getting to meet people... And how many times somebody was like, hey, I recognize your voice. Like, it's still, it never, like, I, I still haven't gotten used to it. And it's it's so friggin' awesome. Yeah, man, I think we're going to get into that a little bit later because we have quite a few people to thank. And it was awesome meeting everybody and interacting in, like, a group like we did. Uh, really for the first time, right? So that was pretty dope. Jump in your tournament, bro. All right, so I had zero buys. I I really I haven't been playing a ton of Magic since my kid was born, and I've been really just been focusing on like trying to pay attention to everything, but not really getting a ton of practice, or not really getting a ton of of actual tournament reps. So I went and sat down for my round one, and my round one opponent did not show up. So I what? I got I got the buy the hard way. By actually having to be there on time. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I sat that. down. Yeah, my opponent just never showed up. Oh. And Lawrence was walking through the hall and saw me just sitting there. And we started the talk. And after 10 minutes were up, I jammed a bunch of games against Miracles. And at the beginning of the day, I was, like, focused, ready to play. I, th- I think that I played pretty well to start the day. Spoiler alert, it, it didn't it didn't last all day. I ended up like just sort of getting into the swing of things by jamming a bunch of games against him and 
meeting a bunch of people who are from his area who are watching us play. It's crazy when you sit down just to, like, play some games, and there's a crowd that gathers around, and I think people know Lawrence way, way more than they know me, but it was, it was crazy to see that happening. So that was my round one, just super easy, I didn't even have to play. So it was like a feature match type of setup? Yes, it was, uh, it was exactly like that. And a lot of the people who had buys who might have been able to really accurately critique your play were probably over your shoulder? Yep. Sweet. That's a good way to start the day. Yeah. In my round two, I played against Storm, and uh, I ended up beating Storm in three games. Bro, wait. Are we the, are we the podcast that says Storm now? Uh, sorry. Let's... Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to edit this, but I'll start over. <laughs> You're I'm right. just busting balls. In bro. my in my round two, I played against Ant. Nice. Add nauseum tendrils, black and blue, base storm deck with past and flames that has a main <laughs> deck tendrils of agony, that likes to cast rituals to increase the storm count and then kill you with a storm spell. Just Ant is sufficient, right? <laughs> All right. So, uh, I ended up winning in three games. Obviously, that matchup can it can go either way. There's a ton of discard from their side, and in the game two that I lost, I I actually just got like double fluster stormed. So I had a hand that had double show and tell with uh, counter magic protection, and I believe I I either pierced or flustered an early discard spell, and then tried to jam show and tell show and tell, and got fluster storm fluster stormed, and the game went super long. To where I got naturally stormed out the turn before I was going to be able to hardcast an Emrakul. So I was keeping extra lands in my hand in order to be able to put them back with a Brainstorm. So I didn't end up playing out a City of Traitors that I had drawn three turns before the game ended. Where if I had played that Ancient Tomb or City, whatever it was... I would have been able to uh, to hardcast Emrakul, which was just absolutely crazy. But I'm 2-0. I was feeling solid. Like, really, I only played one match. Round three, I played against Death and Taxes, and game one, I wrote down, couldn't, couldn't find the second piece. I remember my opponent playing an early Thalia, and sort of not really stifling the number of cantrips I could play, but taxing my mana a little bit. And... Having the creature part, but not being able to hit a show-and-tell or a sneak attack. So, game one was rough. I felt like I had... The reason that I wrote that down was I had a ton of possibilities to hit and just didn't. So, things like that happen. Game two was just an early combo with Omni that I won. And in game three, it was... I almost beat... Thalia, Canonist, Prelate, and Palace Jailer. And the reason that I didn't was my opponent was hellbent with a Palace Jailer in play while I had a sneak attack. And the draw from their Palace Jailer trigger on the turn before I died was a Flicker Wisp. So they were able to Flicker Wisp my Emrakul to avoid having to sacrifice permanence to end up swinging for exactly lethal on the next turn. And it was rough to take a loss like that. I 
I felt like with the way that the game came together, I made the right decisions. It just didn't work out. But all of those bears put together stifled me pretty hard. So I'm two and one. Really, I'm one and one. I just want to get back on the winning track. So I played against Lands in round four. And playing Sneak and Show against Lands is a very good way of getting back on the winning track. So in both of the games, my opponent had an early Merit Lage. And I actually ended up in both games chump blocking with Grizzlebrand to be able to live and then untap after I drew a bunch of cards and kill them. So the games both ended up playing out the same way where my opponent had early Merit Lage, I ended up putting in Sneak Attack. I can't remember if it was casting Sneak Attack or Show and Telling Sneak Attack to, to ramp the mana. And after blocking with the Grizzlebrand and drawing a bunch of cards, it was, it was pretty, easy, pretty easy to win. So I'm 3-1, and one, and I'm feeling better that I won after I came off of that loss. And I sit down in my round 5 match, and I'm on the, I'm on the play. And I look at my opening hand, and it's one of those, like, oh, man, I need to keep a poker face. I don't I don't really know what I think when I sit down against hands like this, but it was City, Petal, Show and Tell, Omni, Emrakul, Force, Ponder. And you're on the play? And I'm on the play. And I'm like, <laughs> I, have, I have a turn one. I felt like we felt at the casino as we were walking out <laughs> and we saw the machines light up and start saying, I, do you remember what the machine said when we were walking no, out when dude. I, when I hit it? No, it was like, it was like rare yep. or something yep. like that. I looked at the word and I was like, I'm going to get a lot of money right now. Yep. Uh, but we'll get Spoiler to the casino alert, bracket yeah. later on. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm four and one. I'm happy with the way that the deck is so, performing. So you're not going to say what deck you played against that you just not drew? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I played against Eldrazi Stompy. Okay. And it, it was over in game one. Yeah. Game two, I actually lost. I forgot that there was a game two and three. Okay. Game two, I lost. They were on the play. I think it was Chalice, Thorn, Thought Not, Smasher. I think those were his turns one, two, three, four on the play. And I wasn't, I wasn't able to assemble the combo. I believe that they actually took a Goblin Crater Maker with their Thought Knot, which was definitely the right play at the time. But I, I lost that game pretty handily. And in the third game, I played a turn two Blood Moon and ended up winning from there. Yep. So that matchup is just really good. And if you look at sort of what I played... Storm probably isn't the best matchup. Death and Taxes, I feel like, is probably close to even. But Lands and Eldrazi Stompy are definitely decks that Show and Tell wants to play against. So I was happy with my record at the time. And I knew that I was kind of fortunate with the pairings. And in my round six, I actually played against my deck from, from um, Syracuse. Played against Blue White Delver. And that did not really go the way that... Well, actually, I, I think it's probably not a great matchup. The Delver decks that have access to that amount of uh, soft counter magic are tough to fight through. But I could have been more patient because my opponent hadn't really put a clock into play. 
and I I took a line where I cast a show and tell that I was going to be able to beat two pieces of interaction, and my opponent had my opponent had Pierce Force and Days, and then they had a backup Force for my next turn play, so my show and tell and my sneak attack got countered, and then I eventually just died to a Stone Forge for Batter Skull, but. If I could rewind that, I feel like I'm better off just sculpting and then putting more lands into play to try to blank spell pierce and days. So certainly in game one, right? Because in game two, they can just drop these random sideboard bombs. But in game one, I feel like you have like the inevitability in that situation. Right. So basically, I since they didn't have an early clock, I didn't put them on blue white Delver. Oh, okay. so I I wasn't I wasn't playing around days. Gotcha. And uh, so one, I was four and one. They were actually three zero oh, and two. So oh, dude, you were playing dr- Luke D Imperio, weren't you? I did. Yeah. Do you know him? I know he was three zero oh, and two. Yeah, he's he's one of my good friends. Oh, okay. So yes, I played I played against Luke. He was three zero oh, and two, and I saw that on the slip, and he played <laughs> he played a tundra. And I was like, shit, this guy's playing Miracles and he's slow as fuck. <laughs> so I wrote down I wrote down Miracles. And then I eventually figured out that he was on Blue White, Stoneblade slash Delver. Yeah. But he played a Daze and I, I thought that he was on Stoneblade more than Delver. Because I thought that there's no way Blue White Delver was getting two draws in five rounds. So you don't remember Luke from Anchor Bar that night? Wait, did I? Did he show up later? Yeah. Oh man, we were in the beer race. Yeah, we were chugging. I chugged a beer with Luke. I. <laughs> you were already I, gone. I was in rough shape that night. Right. We'll get we'll, we'll get, get to there. that later. We'll get there. Right. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I played derail. against Luke. Luke beat me. He actually beat me in game two as well. When I I had a sneak attack and I sneak attacked Emrakul and Grizzlebrand, and I died. How's that work? So he had an early Stoneforge Mystic, and I was below seven life. Uh, he had developed a board to where even after my Emrakul trigger had resolved, he kept a Batter Skull in play. No land, just a Batter Skull. Yep. And the Grizzle Brand that I had put into play, he had Swords to Plowshares for, which oh, is definitely okay. correct to leave in a few. Like you leave in two for Arcane yeah. Artisan. Yeah. So. I sneak attack Emrakul Grizzlebrand, don't have counter backup for the Source of Plowshares, go up to nine. He is left with just a Batter Skull in play. I still have my sneak attack, and he swung me down to five. My draw step was uh, something that was a blank, not a cantrip, not a creature. And then my next two draw steps were also blanks. So uh, I lost I lost that game as well. I don't, I don't think it's a great matchup. There's lots of high impact cyborg cards they have and lots of soft counter magic, but I wasn't I wasn't really expecting to play against the Delver version. Yeah. Because I I had been really high on that deck, and I feel like the regular blue white stone blade deck is just a little bit better. Yeah, it's certainly not a great matchup. Maybe you know, it might be fair, but it's definitely not a great matchup. Right. So then I'm I'm four and two. I know that there's a very good chance that I win the next two and end up making day two. And I, I'm not really feeling super negative about getting my second loss, even though obviously uh, sneak attacking in a Grizzlebrand and Emrakul and losing is, is that's a tough that's a tough look. So I got to meet up with some of my friends from Canada, Joey, Costas, and Chris, people who have been over my house for 
for tournaments around here, and I've traveled with a few times. And I played against the one of the people who they traveled with, who was playing Fish. Her name was April. And, man. Merfolk fucking trickster. Oh, bro, Just... this is a real game. I-, I thought you were talking about, like, a side game. No. Like, we got... We got matched up in round seven, and she, like, she just beat the shit out of me. I got triple Merfolk trickstered in game one to lose. I believe it was Emrakul twice and then Grizzlebrand. On game one, huh? Yeah, like, I I had been talking to my, my buddies from Canada about what I was playing, so I think that she knew what I was playing. Okay. And she ended up keeping a hand that had... Vile and four trickster, or maybe the opening hand had three trickster and she drew the fourth. Wow! But it was that's just a lot of trickster, man. That that I got I got tricked, and it did not feel good. And in game two, the same thing happened. There weren't there weren't two trickster. Sorry, there weren't multiple tricksters in that game. Uh, but I mulled to five, and kept a hand that was able to show and tell in an omni. But when I did that, I only had cantrips in my hand, and I tried to—I had to try to chain them together. Yeah. And I didn't—I didn't end up hitting. So. So can I ask a really dumb question, real quick? Was yeah. Merkel Trickster was that a new card when it was just printed recently? I think it was M nineteen, right? Yeah. Was was that like the first printing of that card? Yes. Yes. Merfolk Trickster was not a card before it just got printed. Yeah. Okay. I I just wanted to make sure because like. It, it kind of seems like a classic card, right? But, uh, and it's a pretty simple card. So I just wanted to make sure it wasn't in like invasion or some shit like that. Because I. Yeah, so we should, we should tell everybody what it does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So basically, it's a 2 2 flash merfolk for two blue. And when it enters the battlefield, you get to tap a creature and opponent controls, and it loses all abilities until the end of the turn. And just for the listeners, I just want to point out that it's a merfolk, not a not a merfolk, which would be like a half horse, half fish. So yeah, it's a merfolk. I'm sorry, bro. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but okay, listen, okay, yes, it's a fish. It's a fish. It's a fish. It gets bonus from the other fish, but wizards, listen, trickster being able to tap an emerkel. That shit shouldn't happen. Bro, that I mean that's why they gave it to him, right? Like it's crater, a crater crater maker, goblin crater maker being able to blow up an emerkel shouldn't happen. Oh, come if, on. If you all want to go super Vorthos and come up with all of this lore for this amazing game you have, you got to you got to do a better job with your card interactions. Right? So the cards like Lavinia and that new uh, white hate bear with the lands doesn't bother you. It's the, the guys like Trickster and Crater Maker. Well, specifically, I was playing Emrakul, and every <laughs> time something bad happened to Emrakul, I'm like, listen, Emrakul shouldn't have to deal with this. So are you saying Palace Jailer shouldn't be able to lock him up? I feel like Palace Jailer's jail cells are not big enough to hold. Or actually, being... Emrakul's female, right? So it would be lock her up. Yes, uh, yes, we want it. Yes. 
Oh, I just fucking got that. You made a... Oh. Oh. I deserve it for playing Sneak and Show, I guess. I guess. So I'm, I'm out. I'm out of day two. I'm disappointed. But Jerry was... Jerry was, was fighting back. He was X and two after round five. I think it was three and two. And he was winning and he was winning and he was winning. And Rich started off 0 and two. And then Rich was winning and he was winning and he was winning. So I went from the front runner in the car to being out. And I I still wanted to play. So I sit down for my last round. And I played against James, who's actually a local to gaming, etc. We sit down and his first three turns are like Ponder, Inquisition, Snapcaster Inquisition, maybe it was Thoughtseize, and Baleful Strix. I'm like, all right, I'm playing against Grixis Control. And I I end up trying to sculpt a hand that I hid a sneak attack and an Emrakul on top of my deck and I wanted to cast it with Force of Will back up. I Force of Will the him after one of the draw steps. And he entombed world gorger dragon and killed me so i went from thinking i had quite a bit of time to sculpt <laughs> to just being dead on the spot like i i didn't see it coming i didn't think that anybody was playing that deck and i saw nothing that told me that i wasn't playing against grixis control until my opponent stroked me for my entire deck and man <laughs> did that feel bad? Like, I had no idea it was coming, and I just got absolutely dumped on when I thought that I was going to have at least three more turns to set up my kill. I, 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 can't, I can't describe, like, the shock and disappointment <laughs> that I had because I played the game obvious... Like, I played the game like I was playing against Grixis Control, and I had a ton of time. And then... I had zero time and I just died. So if we had a Justin Lutz right now, I would love to splice in some of the comments you've made about that that World Gorger Dragon deck when it's come up in the deck dumps and challenges. No, I said the first time I saw it at the SCG, I was like, that seems cute. Yeah. Right? Like, And I think I said you probably get a ton of equity yeah, yeah. against people play, thinking you're playing Graces Control. And then I was that person. Yeah. I was that person. And in game two, I mulliganed. And my my opponent played, or James played, an early Leovold. And uh, and then I ended, up, I ended up having show and tell for Grizzlebrand. But he put his own Grizzlebrand into play off my show and tell. Oh, so, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so he had Leovold in play. I cast show and tell. The only target I had was Grizzlebrand, but I thought I was going to be able to to do something with it because I had a force of will. My opponent put in a Grizzlebrand and drew 14 cards and edicted me and then had another force for my force. But I got ranched hard. <laughs> Absolutely hard. Were you upset and, at the loss? I mean, you were kind oh, of, no, you were no, out no. of I it, was, right? I so. was more like a... Like, in a shocked congratulations. Yeah. You know that, what I'm that saying? That seems like, like a I fun felt, one, yeah. I felt, I felt bad that I lost, but I was dead at that point, so really I was just playing for pride. I felt happy that my opponent ranched me so hard that I was like, yeah, that 
that was amazing. And I can appreciate it from the other side of the table. Yeah, that's so. awesome, man. Because that does sound pretty cool. Yep. Um, so that was my day. It. I was on uh, the sneak. The sorry, the death and taxes matchup could have went either way. The fish matchup definitely could have. And you go to a big magic tournament like that. There's lots of there's lots of decisions to make. That I toward the end of the day, I was not playing a hundred percent. I know this is not math or sort of logical thinking at all, but I feel like your mind state when you're your sort of mood when you're playing in a large tournament like that, your mood determines the outcome of your matches a lot a, a lot more than I think people give it credit for. Like confidence in your plays, how confident you are presenting your board state and your hand to your opponent. And I just, I sort of got burnt out by the end of the day. Bro, that's a perfect segue into my tournament because that was my round one right there. Is is literally exactly the same thing you were just talking about. Uh, it's only going to be about five minutes, my whole tournament report, because I only lasted four rounds in this tournament. Uh, no excuses, but I didn't sleep particularly well the night before. I, I, All right, so hold up. Yeah. You didn't sleep at all yeah i have i kind of have an issue i need to be getting to these tournaments like a day early i I think because like having a day where you just sit in a car for eight hours and eat like trash and then like play magic for a couple hours and don't work out and don't go to work and stuff like i just and you're in a new place like i just don't fall asleep at night this has happened a couple times now and uh i end up just getting out of bed at like 5 a.m and you know changing my deck lists and fucking just trying to red eye it drink a bunch of coffee and uh it it sucks but you know honestly i don't feel like it impacted my performance that much and uh i've done it one time where i day two so it's like not the worst thing you know and in some ways it actually helps you round one because you're not like groggy from just waking up but so i'm not definitely not using that as an excuse but that's where i was like i I had the the short-term memory of a goldfish after every match i was like Oh fuck! I, I left my deck box at the table. I didn't put my deck box back in my bag. Like after every single match, but of course I, I had put it in my bag. I just forgot. So yeah, that that's where I was at. And uh, round one, we got paired, and they paired us at like ten to nine, right? And so we were sitting there with our opponents for round one because there wasn't like a players meeting or anything. We were sitting there with our opponents for probably like at least ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes, right? Or I guess not you, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was sitting there, like, doing the is my opponent gonna show up dance, where all the people around me were like, this lucky motherfucker. But, yeah. Bro, you're a teacher, so you're very familiar with the... If if it's uh, past 10 minutes, we all get to leave. My opponent, round one, I I believe his name is uh, Conrado. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but... um, he was a very nice dude. He was from uh, California, the Bay Area, uh, vintage player. Like we were having a nice chat, and I put him on Rug Delver. That was my read on on who he was, right? Just like based on how he presented himself and such. But he played a basic island and cast a preordain on turn one. So I was like, okay, you know, he's on he's on show and tell, I guess. So I play a fetch land pass. He goes scalding tarn pass. And 
I get fucking stifled on the next turn. And he was on Grixis Delver. He just, you know, had that opening of the basic island that totally yep. threw me off. So, I, yeah, I can't blame myself for that one. And, you know, from there, then he was able to daze my ponder because I only had one land left. And then I had to, uh, from there, fetch a scrubland and get wasted. So that was that. Uh, game two, and this is where it ties into what you were just saying about like your mental attitude. I was very like, not, I wasn't mad about like how the first round went. I was just kind of a little frustrated and I just snap kept on the play, obviously in game two, a hand that was four lands, uh, two basics and two fetches. So I, w- I would have been able to set up like a quad basic mana base against Grixis Delver, which is very important, you know, stifle Grixis Delver extremely important that i can play my lands because if we can both cast our spells i have the more powerful spells right so that that's the key just have like a a healthy mana base but i i kept uh four lands uh stoneforge jit which is basically a mulligan already to have an equipment so four lands stoneforge jit spell pierce really not a great hand you know and i really should have thrown that away but I was just sort of a little disgusted at, at you know, how I how I navigated game one a little sloppily, and just snapped it off without really thinking. And of course, I I draw uh, two lands and then a third one on turn four. So, yeah, I just got run over. He went uh, turn two, young pyromancer. I uh, played around days with the uh, stoneforge, and he had a uh, spell snare. And then he played a sure name and it was over. So yeah, I lo- he actually was the second highest finishing Delver player in the tournament. He top 16. Uh, he was a very good player. I'm not trying to take anything away from him at all because he was a very good player. And uh, apparently a good vintage player too. Like We talked a lot uh, throughout the, the next two days. But uh, that, was, that was 0-1 at that point. And... I got paired against a dude who was from Providence, and uh, I'd, never, I'd never met him before, but he seemed like a nice guy, and I put him on Chalice immediately. And turn one, he, he turned one me, basically. He was on the Blood Sun Eldrazi build, but the uh, turn one Blood Sun on a double fetch lane hand, he just turned one me. I had kept a hand that if he was like a Chalice into Blood Moon, I could have played a Stoneforge and a True Name. But that's not what it was. So that happens. Game two, I won an incredibly unlikely game. Uh, I came back from, he was at 29 and I was at five. And I came all the way back and won game three. So I'm 1 1, you know, feeling a little good, still feeling a little sleepy. But have you played against that, that Blood Moon uh, Punishing Grove deck? So I have not. I've seen the list. But I've never actually played the match against it. I've played against it online a bunch for whatever reason. I'm just queuing at the same time as whoever's playing it. It's really interesting, man. And uh, I want to thank Tom Cairns because he kind of helped me with the sideboard plan for that deck. Because I've never in any matchup cut Brainstorm before from my deck. And uh, he was just like, you know, because typically I, I would be shaving... If I had enough good things to bring in, I would shave like one or two ponders, especially if my blue count was high enough, against chalice decks like like uh, 
the you know just the the blood moon deck or whatever or the Eldrazi deck if you are you know short on ways to deal with a chalice that resolves these these ponders are kind of dead you know compared to bringing in like a relevant card right so he he like watched me sideboard that matchup he's, he's like ponders a lot better than brainstorm in this matchup and i just hadn't really thought about it and he was absolutely right and that, that's how i sideboarded so i got to give him a little credit for that one yeah that's that's that interesting ne- it never happens right like it's yeah i i never i never would have thought to shave brainstorms me because neither, of the interaction with blood with blood sun me neither but he was right and yeah it was pretty cool so round three uh i get paired against this dude sean uh he was wearing a dire wolves jersey so i knew he was one of the good guys and i put him on death and taxes so he he leads with a basic planes uh, like a euro like an apac basic planes and i was like wow i'm fucking nailing my my like profiling today but so what was what was your profiling your profiling was death, death and, and taxes? taxes yep okay and okay. He leaves with the the Euro basic planes pass, which is kind of weird, right? To pass uh, turn one, keep seven with death and taxes. Well, I mean, you could have a bunch of twos with like yeah, it happens. Like a really good disruption. Uh, were were they the windmill planes with the sun with the flowers? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have thought death and taxes with that planes? Well, I'm saying, is that the planes? Yeah. Oh, okay. One hundred percent death and taxes. Yeah, yeah for sure. Then, so I have a, a very good hand against the taxes. I had Stoneforge into True Name into uh, Palace Jailer. So, and I could fetch basics. I'm just like, I got this game, you know. He goes turn two Chalice uh, off another basic planes. So then I was like, okay, he's either White Eldrazi or he's main decking Chalice in his Death and Taxes deck, and maybe he has like you know, no, no plows or something. I don't know. It's the one, one bracket. So you're never really sure. Right. Yep. And I, I can deal with the chalice. I had a, uh, uh, council's judgment, so I wasn't really worried about it. And yeah, plus, plus you have, you have a curve of Stoneforge true name jailer. Yeah. It didn't really that doesn't, matter. That just doesn't care. Yeah. Yep. So then he plays a third planes and passes, I put an equipment into play, play a true name. He plays a waste and puts in a thought not seer and takes uh, the other equipment I had in my hand. But I was just off to the races at this point. And he played an ancient tomb at some point. So I knew he was the white Eldrazi deck, right? Yep. And he just had a very strange kind of draw. And in my experience, I've only played this matchup probably four times now. And I did fuck with the deck. If you go back to like episode, I don't know, like 15 or something, I was trying to build this deck a while ago. And the the deck, I don't know uh, who pioneered it now. You probably do. Who's playing it online now? Is it? I, I know uh, well, Matt. Well, uh, so- Eric, Eric Landon tweeted about it. He played it to 5-0. There are a few other people in the chat. That were that were messing with it as well. Yeah, I know Matt Soul was uh, doing well with it for a while too. Yeah, we we talked about this deck last week. I think we talked about it on and off. You know. Yeah. And it's I think it's a good. Deck. I've I've been thinking that there's a deck there, but I didn't know how to build it. I was building it with uh, Recruiter of the Guards and Palace Jailers, and it seems like uh, they're kind of off double white now. Mm-hmm. But uh, this dude, it turns out in game two is not off double white he's he's building his deck a little differently 
uh, heavier on the white sources, uh, full set of Mox Diamonds, and he had palace jailers, multiple palace jailers. And he, he really said that, you know, the strength of that card is why he built his deck that way. And he got me in games two and three. He had like a very, very aggressive, like soul land starts with like a turn two thought not just being able to steal like the true name that I had in my hand. Cause I actually had pretty good hands against him too. But uh, the time when I had force of wills, he had caverns in that game. And then the other game, he just had like the the threat overload with like two or three reality smashers where, my, you know, tr they can trample over true names. So I just couldn't stabilize in time. And uh, game three, if I had drawn a third land, we would have been having a real game. But uh, he wasted me off, you know, one of my early lands and then I never hit uh, my fourth land, which would have been my third at that point to start snap plowing stuff. So I stayed, I stayed in the game for quite a while, but ultimately got ran over and Tom uh, Tom Karens had come over to watch the game because we had a judge call that lasted a few minutes so we were going a little late and he was watching most of game three and right as the game ended the the dude who I was playing against this guy Sean with the the direwolf jersey is like you're you're from that format you're you're Ian and I was like yeah dude you know What's, what's going on? You know, nice to meet you. You know, good games and such. And he, and he looks at Tom and he goes, and you're, you're Tom. Cause Tom had the dead format shirt on. He's like, you're Tom from the dead format. <laughs> and Tom's like, yes, I am. And they shook hands. And it, <laughs> bro, don't let your memes be dreams, bro. That was a fucking moment. That was a moment that I will remember for a long time <laughs> because it, it happened IRL, man, that this was the real deal. This was the moto the yeah, yeah the translation to real life we had we had a ton of people representing this weekend at the grand prix and i'll take a little bit of credit man those shirts are nice they are fucking nice shirts yeah so yeah then that was awesome you know i, I had a good time like I, I wasn't salty about the loss i don't feel like it's a great matchup i don't feel like it's awful but the dude was really cool and round four i played against uh trinity tell and just lost there was a, uh, you know, reasonable hands on both sides, good player, and that was my tournament. And I was like, I was so happy at this point, dude. I just felt like this relief. I met up with uh, Pat, like I just found him immediately after that round ended, pretty early for me, and found out he wasn't having the best tournament either. And we're like, dude, we're going back to the house, right? In life, like when uh, when one door closes. Sometimes uh, another door opens if you're paying attention. And this was the worst legacy GP I've ever had by far. You know, the worst performance I've ever had at a legacy Grand Prix. This is, I guess, my fifth one now. But I've always started at least, like, you know, reasonable, like, 4-2 or something. These, these things happen, and you got to make the best of it, right? And I honestly, like, leaving the building, I felt great. Like, I, I really did because, like, I've never been able to really just go balls to the wall, just fucking crazy at one of these things. And my tournament was over at like 2 p.m., dude. I'm walking out. It's a beautiful day. I'm going home to take a nap. And then the only responsibility I have for the wait, rest of wait, the- Wait, hold up. What? Was it really a beautiful day? Because it was shitty and dumpy and rainy the whole weekend. In my mind, it was a beautiful day. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, actually, we were walking back with somebody and they were complaining about the weather. 
but they were from California. So I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> and Pat was in a t-shirt and he thought it was beautiful as well. So yeah, I was just, the sun was definitely out though. And I was just like, man, I the only responsibility I have right now is I saw you, I walked by you on the way out of the building and you were like, okay, you got to figure out the plans for tonight. Do you remember that? Yep, I remember. Yep. So that was the only responsibility I had was I was in charge of alcohol and partying and, and, <laughs> and food, I guess. You did you did an outstanding job. Thanks, bro. So that was literally like sleep, alcohol, food is the only things that I'm worried about at this point at 2, at 2 p.m. on a Grand Prix weekend. It's like a, a place I'd never been before, you know, but it was like, it's like, yes, let's fucking do this, you know? And I went back to the house, uh, slept, took a, took a little nap, woke up like a new person, fucking totally rejuvenated. Uh, actually played in like a little, I don't know what they're called, but like a, a thing where they get they give you prize tickets at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, went 2-1, played against the Miracles dude, played against uh, Grixis Control dude, and then our, our buddy, the Hackbert from the Discord. So uh, we split actually at the end, but uh, it was two one and or one 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 I guess, and then we went to Anchor Bar, and it was so like we've had these these crazy fucking leaving a legacy dinners in the past where they they've been like a blast, right? But we have like twenty twenty five thirty people, you know, it gets out of control. It's it's like a a self fulfilling prophecy at this point, right? So I don't I don't know how much this was really planned versus just like how it wound up being. But I told our friends that we were going to anchor bar and Jerry had decided to go to the buffet. Yeah. So I, this is where I have to apologize for some people because I put you in charge of setting the plans up for the night. Yep. And Jerry had said, all right, here's where we're eating. But it was after you had made plans at the anchor bar so I sent messages to a bunch of people saying, "All right, we're gonna eat at the casino buffet." Oh no! And you're like, you're like, no, we're going here. So, so there were people who are waiting for me at the casino buffet while I was at the anchor bar. Bro, that, that explains I, two that texts I, that I totally did not understand until now. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot that I sent out like the mass text to everybody who wanted to meet up oh. that I was gonna be there, and that I forgot about the change of plans. So you, you, yeah, there were probably people looking for us and we weren't there. Yeah, th- that makes a little more sense now. So anyway, Anchor Bar, Tom was waiting there. And I, I, I just got to give right now, weekend MVP, obviously Jerry gets MVP number one. MVP number two, Jan, uh, which is Tom Karen's wife with the baby. Bro, first of all, she was there and had a pen that I could borrow while I was scrambling to finish a deck list right before the tournament. And second of all, they were holding a table for us at Anchor Bar. And, out, dude, how long were we there? Like three hours at least? We, I, so I kind of lost track of time after you're like, yo, let's race a beer tower. It's only 96 ounces. Yep, only 96 ounces. That's what they told me. And then having it show up at the table at 128 and your ass got Bud Light and I decided to get Blue Moon because I thought people were like, 
people would like to share and maybe they would like a, a higher quality beer. I'm not saying Blue Moon is amazing. Uh, I, I got it. But I, I'm saying it's a higher quality beer than Bud Light. And man, I... Is it though? Really? Probably not. But so, trying to trying to drink 128 ounces of Blue Moon... <laughs> You're going to shit out an orange in the morning. Not, not recommended. Bro, so yeah, you got 120 ounces of Blue Moon. I got 128 ounces of Bud Light. The next person to order was like, okay, so we're just splitting the beers and we were like, no, these are for <laughs> these are for just the two of us. You guys get whatever you want. Uh you'd also order a Jack and Diet, but that's neither here nor there. We uh we fucking powered through it, bro. And I didn't think about this until afterwards, but that's three forties, you know? That's that's Edward Forty hands if you if you have three hands. And I, I definitely cheated. Uh, Sugi time took a beer from <laughs> took a beer from me, and Luke D'Imperio chugged half of my beer as well. I did not know that. Yeah, so at least sixteen of those ounces were stolen from me. But well, I think I think I left probably about twenty four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. in the tower. So that's fine. The tower of pain, bro. And you had like at least twice the amount of whatever beers made out of like wheats or oats or hops or something. It was it it was not the type of beer you would want to take on a hundred and twenty eight ounce yeah, challenge. Yeah. Yours definitely had more density than mine. But yeah, I got through it. I was still like somewhat functional at this point. Like so, you know, obviously Luke and Jason and Dylan and everybody showed up and so we had so many awesome people there obviously tom and and jan and his buddy linden who i've i've actually sort of gotten to know from advising on this uh he played the noble rug deck actually okay and his his wife courtney and then uh hackbert and sugi time the the desert contingent and uh justin lutz and his buddy and a couple guys that we were staying with and it was a fucking awesome dinner man that that was a great group of people. It really, really was. Listening listening to Hackbert and Sugi. <laughs> and man, we got we gotta give huge props to Sugi. Are we gonna say what happened? Bro, I, I'm I'm still uncomfortable with what happens. It, it I was you know, obviously I was really drunk and I take a lot of pride in not getting scooped and he scooped the fuck out of me on that one. He scooped the fuck out of everybody. I was like, "This is, this is big baller move." Yeah, and he big, he deserves he deserves props for that. He big dick the table for sure, and I, yeah, much respect to Sugi time. We we talked about this before, but he's a great kid, and uh, yeah, it was just it was awesome, man. You know, like it's the first real like sort of time we've hung out with more than one patron like at the same time, right? And. Uh, it was fucking it was exactly what it should have been, right? It was fucking debauchery. I didn't know what a jewel, like one of those uh fake cigarette smoke guys was. I'm still horrified at what you did. I bro, I woke up with a bloody nose, so You're not supposed to rip jewel shots through your nose. But you can put it there and just keep walking and just be smoking and walking and using your hands at the same time. <sighs> fucking great invention honestly 
and okay so we get so we I go to the let, casino yeah. i want to let everybody know that in this state that we got out of the bar after drinking towers of beer and ian is smoking a jewel through his nostrils we decided that it's a great idea to go to the casino <laughs> bro we were hell bent on the casino from fucking friday you know that well okay so i was hell bent when my wife said that I could go, which was like midday Saturday, but I was probably going to go anyway. I'm not. Who, who are we kidding? But you could have just sold a dual land at that point. But you're right. You're absolutely right. So. So you've talked some some shit about blackjack in the past. I've talked some shit about blackjack in the past. We we crushed it. We obviously we have to play blackjack together for the first time. Yeah. And who do we meet outside? Robert Wilson. Now listen, you need to apologize to that man. I am fucking sorry, bro. Like, I am really sorry. Do you want to tell our listeners why you are sorry? No. Okay. Okay. Just, yep. There we go. I, I, because honestly, whatever I say is not going to be what it is because I only remember half of it. So I'm sure (laughs) I've done even worse things than I remember. I don't want to know what happened. I just know that it was a shit show. We won money, which probably made it even worse because we were probably insufferable about it. And we we punked some fucking slot machines on the way out. So Sugi was behind me every time I turned around. And he was the fucking good luck charm, bro. He was there for emotional support. At one point, I got up to go to the bathroom. I remember this really clearly. I didn't want to get up because we were on a heater and I didn't want to give up. I was sitting anchor. I did not want to give up my seat, but I really had to piss. And I actually went to the bathroom and I left the bathroom, not because I was done pissing, but because I was fucking bored and needed to get back to the table. I had liquid in me to be in that bathroom for 10 more minutes, bro. I, it was just like the Niagara Falls was in that fucking room at that moment and after like it you know 90 seconds or whatever and i'm i'm still not like near the bottom I, like i can still feel this is not about to end i just had to just tie it off and head back to the table that's how much beer we drank but we uh we won man we we you know there were some bad hands that happens but we uh we won we we won a big hand where you split 3 eights do you remember that hand well i split i split eights and then got another pair of eights, yep, which I split. Then you got hit a th- yep. hit a three. Yes, you know exactly. And then what doubled. Yep. And then doubled that. Uh, there were there were a few hundred dollars on the table at that point. Yeah. So you were you were in for like one twenty five, and I was you were playing twenty five, and I was the way that I play blackjack typically is I go to twenty. You know, we're playing twenty five dollar hands. I. If I win a hand, I go up to 30, then 35, then 40 or whatever, you know. So I'm at 45 at this point in time. So mine was just a straight double, but I was in for 90. So we hit that hand. That that was uh, – the dealer had a six, flipped over a five, and then went 210. And I remember just going fucking nuts at that point. And just, we tipped the, the dealer quite a bit, but she – there's no way she did not hate us. Heather. Yeah, Heather. no, abs- absolutely right. Heather did. I, I was having I was having flashbacks of the last time I played blackjack at my bachelor party, the last hand of the night. I'm up 
and I decide to play a $250 hand, I get aces <sighs> against a six, and I split, and I don't hit 21, and the dealer flips 510. And saddest, saddest Johnny Rockets I've ever eaten in my life. <sighs> yeah, that did not happen tonight, because... Even in my inebriated state, my my pension for risk taking does not go up. Like I, I still have this feeling where like I don't ever want to leave a casino down money, you know. And that goes for my friends as well. So I I knew that you had quite a few chips, and I knew that I had to get you out of there too. So we uh, we got out of there. We we took our winnings. And we happened to fucking run into Justin somehow. I don't know if that was like arranged or not, but somehow Justin was like outside waiting for us. And uh, yeah, we headed back and I I put on uh, The Hateful Eight to go to sleep and I didn't even make it through the opening credits, bro. I slept like a fucking baby. That was one of the best nights of my magic life. And like, like I was saying, you know, like one door closes and another opens. Like I really wish I'd done well at this Grand Prix. It was the worst Grand Prix I've ever played in. But it's it's also the best Grand Prix I've ever been to, you know, in two different ways. It really was special to, to me, not to get too sentimental or anything. But, uh, you know, people like Tom and Sugi and Hackbird and, the, you know, these people that we talk to online and Robert and, it was it, it was fucking awesome, man. It it really was like this uh this really awesome experience for me that I'm gonna remember for a long time. I agree. I had a blast, and i i wanna I wanna thank you because you're the MVP. You got me out of there up. <laughs> and my my problem with casinos is I'll always go through those strings where I'm up huge and I'll hang around too long. So everything everything worked out perfectly to get out of there and. We did have this to throw weekend. some some money on your football number on the way out, though. <laughs> that happened. Your basketball number. Basketball oh, basketball. Number. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes more With sense. Because uh, I was like, how roulette, the fuck were you? tables don't go up to the 70s. How man. are you playing offensive line with the number 31, bro? That's, that's yeah. yeah. I, nope. I, was, I was wondering about that. Ba- basketball number for sure. Gotcha. All right. So, so I feel like we need to put uh, a spoiler or a warning in the front of this episode, like we are mostly going to discuss <laughs> drinking and dinner because the Grand Prix didn't go the way that we wanted to. Yeah. But that that was our experience. And we already have a great guest lined up for next week's episode where we're going to talk a ton about the meta breakdown and their tournament. But I I really just wanted to like give props to Jerry again. He crushed it. It was great traveling with him. And I want, also wanted to give props to Rich Shea, who is just an outstanding human being that I had an amazing time hanging out with this weekend. Bro, so. Rich is fucking gas. I love hanging out with Rich. He he makes every situation so much more classy. We didn't talk about dinner on Friday night, but that was a fucking awesome dinner too. And like he, he adds like a certain uh, level of sophistication to whatever thing you're doing but also like uh i don't know man he he he's just like a really fun guy to be around too you know he's not like stuffy at all he's he's the fucking best i, I love rich so it was uh it was really a special weekend i think and 
Big ups to Justin for driving and Pat for being... Pat was my fucking partner in crime all weekend, bro. We never got a chance to have a wrestling match out in the... Out in the backyard, which is also the state police barracks that we we'd been talking about all weekend, that never materialized. He was asleep when I got back on. No, he wasn't asleep. He was fucking arguing with me about Eric Andre, but whatever, it didn't happen. There was somebody else though that that I was just about to shout out, and I I just blanked on it. Josh. Yeah. So everybody that we met at the at the tournament, like I I. Uh, Obviously, we we met a uh, a Josh Binghamton. That was awesome. He uh, Bing, bro, Binghamton. He, it's not Binghamton. Josh Binghamton. He was uh, a fucking awesome dude, honestly. And and the, his buddy Kai, like they were just like the coolest motherfuckers there, right? And uh, and Nate Golia was there too. Uh, we hung out on on Saturday. I I didn't get a chance to meet up with Nate. Oh yeah, he was uh. I don't know, dude. He was he had like a lot of other stuff like uh, old man band practice and uh, family Easter stuff going on. So he was like in and out like real quick. But uh, you know he brings the energy, and it was fucking awesome. I love Nate, and uh, yeah, dude, it, it was just great. It was uh, just a really fun weekend. I had a blast. I played Bant, dude. I didn't even say this. I played Bant in that that uh, whatever the fuck the tournament's called the the on the. Double up, that's what it's called. And uh, it was just so much fun playing band, dude. You know, just like getting clues, cracking clues, Sylvan Library. And honestly, the thing that I feel like I, I do well for tournaments is is really prepare and metagame. And I feel like we nailed this meta, right, for this tournament. Like, I, I looked I looked at our fives from, from the week we recorded with Kevin. And... Uh, we we really nailed this and in theory my deck was good but i didn't actually fine-tune my deck at all because i feel like the last 10 days of leagues that i played with the london mulligan rule i actually went backwards like i didn't learn a damn thing about my decks like i tried playing blue red and i couldn't tell if it was good or not i couldn't make any couldn't get anywhere with regard to the sideboard so I just ended up just playing a deck on straight theory pretty much. And, you know, I, I took a lot of Rich's advice the night before. I ended up getting up at 5 a.m. And, and rethinking the deck. And I, I actually think that what I brought for the expected meta and the meta that ended up being was actually a good choice. I didn't play it very well, it, and it was just not tuned correctly. So, you know, I, I can blame myself. But also, I feel like the deck was kind of stacked against against me in a way. Yo, can we give a shout out to Kevin? Yo, yes. Dude. Also crushing this tournament and almost top eighting. So that's what I, that's where I was going that I just forgot. So we sucked this weekend, right? The the dead format. We it was not it was not our finest hour by any means. But we're very picky about who we have on this podcast. Our the guests. We're we're extremely selective. You know, you have to meet several criteria. We, we handpick only the finest, uh, in our opinion. And four of our guests played in this tournament. Daddy, Kevin oh, Jones, no. Adam Wallace, fucking Adam Wallace, Lawrence Harmon, and Rich Shea. All of our guests day two. Literally 100% conversion rate. That happened. So what we need to have 
is we need you to be in my car to drive <laughs> to the next Grand Prix, and you're going to top eight. Dude, the next time I see your car, I'm straight rubbing my ass on that passenger seat. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lucky car. I wanted to thank everybody I hung out with this weekend. It was an outstanding experience. One of the babies spilled some milk. What What is this from? I don't know. Pat and I were just saying it all weekend. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. If you want to get in touch with Tom and ask him, you know, the best strategies really for activating sneak attack and especially for casting show and tell, how would you do that? You can get in touch with me at tsmileymtg. You can Facebook message Jerry me because he he will respond to everybody's request. Is, is that a thing? That, no, I'm just saying, just do it. Oh. And you can get in touch with the cast at Dead Format Cast. Yep. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, at Ian18125. I still haven't tweeted in a while, but I did like a few posts this week. So the theme of this episode is uh, we had a good time. On... On to Atlanta. We're on to Atlanta, bro. Is that the next big tournament? Uh, uh, well, there's Star City, Syracuse. Oh, the, the week, week before. before. And there's the Leaving a Legacy tournament. So. Yep. Yeah. And there's Leaving a Legacy in July. Fuck yeah, bro. Let's do this shit. That's a wrap.